2: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Giancarlo from the Film Consulting and Promoting Initiative Felix Martin's Society. Now, let's start the show. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast, and you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire
0: Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie
2: Madison County. Hi, this is David L. G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director
0: of Contracted. Hi, I'm Derek Amenu, writer director of Legion. My name is Nathan Whitehead and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hello, Stuart. Just a quick hello from Sarah Douglas. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stewart,
1: Page the screen.com up in my volume. Snooks. Get up my motorcycle, running, tracking off the motherfucking Genius.
2: With Dom, Ian Peter, and pussy. I'm Neil Johnson. I directed *Rogue Warrior* and *The Time War*, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. From from the from page, page to, to screen
0: movie
1: name? hello that's kind of weird i didn't have any ringtone from you whatsoever i just saw it pop up that you were phoning me so
2: ah very much like uh you phoning me because um i was just browsing the internet waiting for that phone call to come in yep. and uh all i heard was the and mm. i was like missed call i was like really i never heard you call. you ringing
1: looks like our computers have got the wonderful same update yay join yes <laughs> fantastic how are you
2: I'm fine, how are you?
1: I'm, I'm alright, it's, uh, it's Wednesday isn't it, that's the one.
2: It is, it's kind of thrown me off with uh, bank holiday this week.
1: Kind of throws me off doing nights, because I start a different <laughs> day, and finish on a different day each week, and then you know, this morning we got in at, um, it's kind of weird, it's like, so we're finishing work at 5 to 8 this morning, and Annette comes through, and Annette's daughter works at the same place we do, and mm-hmm. she's like, oh Sarah's got a flat tyre, so I'm like, that. okay, well, does she know how to change a tire? No. She's going to phone, her, phone the garage or whatever. Right, well, she really should learn how to change a tire. It's, it's one of those things, it's like if you drive a car, I really do think you should know how to change a tire. Because <laughs> it's <laughs> one of the things, it's like the basic thing you could do, isn't it? So Yeah. Um, so me and this guy that, that I work with, we were lying there getting rained on at changing a flipping tire with the worst car jack ever. I was muddy beyond belief after a four day shift. <laughs> so like, oh my God. So I got home about a quarter to 10, I think it was. And then and I went to sleep. And she woke up about one o'clock or something. And I mm-hmm. got up. I ended up going to bed about 10 to 11 and then getting up about two so I've had about you know, three hours sleep two hours sleep something like that lovely um, so yeah it's fun and games so I've no idea what day it is Wednesday was a lucky guess I think
2: well you did well
1: I did I did <laughs> well and I'm not in until Sunday night and then I'm in for one shift which is a Sunday so I finish Monday morning and then I'm off until the following Monday so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, Annette is going away on holiday she's leaving the country for a week and I'm making sure that Netflix works and uh, lots of films get watched, <laughs> and generally mm-hmm. I've I've got all the the Mimi scripts and the other scripts all printed out now, and I've got them in a desk in the other room. So I'm just going to stay away from technology a lot next week, and then just sit in that room with a pen and a paper and build up the camera rig and get all the equipment together and pester Neil Johnson with questions, going, hmm, should I do it this way or should I do it that way? So it's fun. It's getting closer to the Mimi filming, which is it is exciting times.
2: Uh, yeah, I still look forward to uh, updates on the uh, the Mimi Twitter page.
1: Well, uh, Mimi's mum's she put out some behind the scenes pictures that have got me in it. So I'm like, oh, oh. So I messaged her earlier on in the centre of text. I said, can I uh, can I steal those pictures? And she went, yeah, yeah, of course you can. So I've actually got three of me photographing so I put a couple of those out earlier on Twitter and stuff it's just kind of weird it's did you not get that I don't you might not have done, but when you were putting on the first sci-fi whales and you're there and you're like holy crap I've just put on a big event that's kind of weird
2: you see I think my, my coping mechanism with doing this is um, I put on the event and then I don't go back to it I just move forward to something else yeah. So, you know, the event got put on. Have I kind of, you know, have I viewed photos? Yes. Have I um, kind of viewed anything that kind of relates to me? No. Um, very much the same with doing this podcast. Did I listen to the podcast before I was uh, a regular co-host? Yes. Yeah. Do I listen to it now? No, because I'm already on it. And I would hate the sound of my voice.
1: It does take a little Um, while getting used to your own voice, not like necessarily your voice, but it took me a long time to, because I do a little bit of editing and I make sure all the sounds get leveled and stuff, so I don't sit there like some podcasters do and listen to the whole damn show again, because I was here when we did it. It's it's like, why would I listen to it again? (laughs) Um, But in the early days, it made me cringe listening to my own voice, but you you do kind of get used to it. You learn to just ignore it. So you'll hear yourself talking, and then you think, "Oh, what am we I going to have for tea? I don't know. What we're mm-hmm. we going to watch on Blu-ray tomorrow?" You just sort of phase out a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, even a lot of the, in fact, all of them. I don't think I've watched any of the Q and A panels, the you know the Sci-Fi Wales ones, mm-hmm. or any of the ones. I've not watched them again with the sound. It's like, why would I? <laughs> no, it would just. I would be so <laughs> self-analytical because
2: they're that damn oh, good. My That's why. Right.
1: Cringe. <laughs> You know, to this day, it still mildly haunts me when I got um, Tabitha Lyons' Twitter name wrong.
0: <laughs> it's it's and it's the most <laughs>
1: minuscule thing, probably nobody else even thinks about it anymore. But now and again, it was like, God damn it! What? Ah, oh, can't believe you did that. So it's uh, yeah, we are our biggest critics, mm-hmm. which is fine. So
2: apparently, exactly the same as Walt Disney, though, and well, that's he was- why he did everything so well. Really? Okay. Yeah.
1: So me and Walt and you and Walt. we're just mm-hmm. we're all you know parts of the same triangle I'm guessing. That's <laughs> so uh yeah, there's nothing really new on the Mimi front at the minute other than just some photos being shared and stuff like that. But I'm I'm still finding it weird when people I don't know are commenting on Lemissa's Facebook page or Instagram, and they're like, Oh, we can't wait to see this. You're like, I don't even know you. Why are you watching this film that I'm I'm making? So that's the (laughs) scary part, I think. The the strangers watching it. Yeah. Because you kind of know that, other than Stu Miller, pretty much everybody's going to be relatively kind Mm -hmm. because they know you. You know, Mm -hmm. you may come through with going, I I really enjoyed it. However, maybe you might want to do this, that, and the other. Like you did with the stabbing noise type thing. Yeah, You know, you're not likely to come through and go, Jesus, how much money did you waste on that piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> Strangerous <as laughs> might. It's, like, it's, it's kind of scary. So, you know.
2: Yeah, I fun. suppose that is the thing, you know, you, you're kind of protected in your bubble as long as people watching the film are people you know. Yeah. Um, but as soon as it gets out of control and you've got people you've never heard of before, then that's when uh, the uh, the fear can creep in because... It could invite lots of uh, negativity or f- bad criticism. Um, not,
1: not but it could, any, also,
2: it any... could also go the other way, though. It could uh, it could bring lots of uh, enjoyment because of all the positive praise you get for the movie. So. <laughs>
1: he was hoping. <laughs> he was hoping that it will be fun. I'm just going to make sure that I don't leave any coffee cups in, uh, well, in any I, I
2: was just thinking, actually, you know... W- If you do, then uh, Starbucks are on on for a winner, aren't they? I've just probably added another couple of dollars to their. uh, uh, The latest estimate is two point three billion in free advertising, even though it wasn't their coffee cup.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's it's really funny how. I mean, I didn't I didn't notice the coffee cup. I was I was engrossed in the story, but you know they left a coffee cup in. Oops, don't worry about it. It's fine. Still a really good episode. I thought.
2: Yeah, it yeah. was was a fantastic episode. Um, I, I think, well, all the episodes um, this season, I could happily go and watch two or three times. Yeah, um,
1: de- definitely, definitely the the big battle one from last week, and I would happily watch. Yeah, I think so far this season has been one of the ones where I would happily just rewatch it all. I think.
2: Like so I, I would have- like to know. Um, uh, maybe I should um google this somebody will, out there will know the answer um obviously um there hasn't been many episodes um well there isn't many episodes in in, in this season it's uh is it six in total six yeah um now, is that because they had a full-season budget to do however many episodes they usually had, but they spent it all on, on making six <laughs> exceptionally fantastic episodes?
1: No, I don't think so, because they always planned that the last season, would even before they started shooting it, they always uh, said, that uh, it's going to be a shorter season. They, that was the yeah. original thing that they came out with. you are got to get a final season. It's going to be shorter. And then everybody's like, oh, how many? It's going to be eight episodes. And people... Figured it was going to be that number, and then they just came out with the six, and mm-hmm. I think it's the six that they needed to tell the story. And if you yep. kind of, without going into any spoilers, if you look at the ones we've had so far, they've all had they've all been sort of different styles of episodes. Yeah, you know, like this, this week's one was more sort of emotional I think it was more like let's do this and I'm going to go that way and let's just have a conversation and let's get together and let's do this, it was it was really really nice, certainly the first half of the episode was mm. really sort of uh, like character driven and then the previous episode was obviously the, the chaos, so we had that one and then the one before that was we're going to have chaos in the morning so I think <laughs> that uh, this next one Will be the the resolution of the Iron Throne type thing, mm-hmm. know, all the the Cersei stuff, and then I think the last one will be like the epilogue where everybody just toddles off and does whatever they they're gonna do, and they go live wherever they're gonna live, and and then it will be done. So,
2: so. but it's one of those things, isn't it? This season of Game of Thrones has brought out kind of you know people praising it, but it's also brought out the haters as well. You've got you know an episode of play and you know um th- there's always something that somebody's got to pick at
1: oh god yeah and i think it's awful it's a, it's a terrible culture i mean how do you think here's, here's one for you so the original uh, like the original star wars and mm-hmm. the original star trek the motion picture if yep. they came out nowadays do you think the internet would kill them i think they Pro- might probably yeah and it's a shame, because it's like, just get over yourself. It's, I I don't like this culture where people have got to go, right, what can we critique? And I suppose it's not even just films, is it? It's like if somebody trips over in the street or whatever, it's, right, who, whose fault was that? It wasn't mine, somebody else's. Let's blame the council. Mm-hmm. Let's blame yep. the person that threw the McDonald's wrapper down that I slipped on. It's like, well, maybe we should have been watching where we're going type thing. It's <laughs> always a blame culture. There is. And it was Um, the the, very cagey about saying where I work in my nighttime job type thing, but basically where we, because I quite like the fact I've never named the company I work for. It's great because I can say whatever I want in these podcasts and it's fine. Uh, The place I work for, they have this sort of quality marking system for the communications that we send out, and you mm -hmm. can hear some people scoring other people's uh, messages. And they're looking for things to mark the person down on. I and mean, mm-hmm. that's the culture, isn't it? It's like, well, let's look at what Rob's done. Ooh, he could have done that. He could have done this. Yeah, but let's look at all the really good things he did and mm-hmm. let's praise him on that rather than, oh, I found something he didn't do. <laughs> it's, you know, the, the Game of Thrones episode. Oh, it's a bit dark. Rather than, that was an amazing piece of television. Can't believe he spent 55 days shooting a single TV episode. Mm. Or last week's. Oh look, a coffee cup. <laughs> it's like, oh come on, give me a break. Yeah, it's insane. It's
2: it's, it's the way of the world now, and uh, who knows? Before long, we might get um, kind of as you um, toddle off down to your local cinema. Um, maybe you'll climb into your own personal movie booth there and uh before you get in it'll say how would you like this to end how would you like it to start how would you like it to uh to go on throughout and you'll just type in a few things and then it's customized to your likes then so you can't go home and slate it
1: well this is why i've never watched the latest black mirror you know the interactive one so yes i don't, I don't want to watch an interactive film i want to see so you know robert dyer makes a film I don't want to go, well, here's what I'd like the ending to be. I want to see Robert Dyer's film. I want to see mm-hmm. what your idea of a film is. It's, it's, I don't need to see an interactive one. So that's the only episode of Black Mirror I've never bothered watching. Because it's not, no, I'm not impressed.
2: I'm not sure you've missed out on much, to be honest.
1: No, I mean, you've <laughs> Because seen... it's one of the only
2: ones that I have watched.
1: <laughs> there are some very, very good ones. I would go back and watch some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Because they are just you know standalone episodes that tell a story, and they are really really good. But there's just something about this interactive thing that I'm not a fan of.
2: I think Netflix are definitely pushing it though. I don't know if you've yeah. you've noticed. Um, we've got um, the Bear Grylls series now, where um, he's gone out and it, it kind of destroys your illusion a bit of Bear Grylls because now he's gone out and made this series for Netflix and Netflix exclusive. So um, I think there's about. Um, seven or eight episodes or something in in season 1 and um he'll tell you um what his objective is that uh, somebody's stranded in the in the jungle and you've got to go and find her and uh, so you jump out of the helicopter and then it's right we've uh, we can either go through the jungle it's going to be hard work or we can follow the river it does have its dangers which you're going to do and you choose again yeah. and uh, that's how that one goes on but obviously Bear Grylls um, himself for me was somebody who stood for you know I'm going out there I do it I know a lot of people say you know at the end of the day he goes and stays in a five star hotel whether that's true or not I don't know but this show obviously does uh, is filmed just for the uh, the kind of entertainment value so nothing in it's real
1: Yep. I think the the interactive thing's probably got its place. I just don't think it needs to be among the movies. Mm-hmm. It's that, forget it. And uh, I don't know, it's the internet again, isn't it? Especially with the DC stuff where they, they demand... I mean, the Sonic the Hedgehog thing, have you seen, seen the story about that where the trailer came out last week, I believe it was?
2: Uh, um, I've, I've heard um, bits about it, not the full thing, but uh, I've heard enough to kind of put together what's happened.
1: Well, The trailer comes out, the internet explodes going, what, have, what is that? That is not Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> That's terrible. The filmmakers then go, yeah, good point. We're now redesigning Sonic the Hedgehog, mm-hmm. which I didn't see the trailer. So I don't know how terrible it was, but a filmmaker should never bow down to what the public say because it's not the public's film, is it?
2: Yeah, and I think um, you fall into a trap with that as well because... The people who are vocal are gonna be the people who hate it. Yeah. You usually find the people who like things, the same with everything in life at the moment, they're not usually as vocal. No. So, you know, you might be pandering to five percent whereas ninety-five percent loved it and thought it was fantastic. Yep. So uh
1: It's an odd world.
2: Take take heed, directors. <laughs>
1: Well, I did, um, I did a podcast ages ago, and to this day, it's still one of my favourite ones I ever did. And it was, uh, there was me, Stu Miller, um, I can't, I, God, I, I forgot who it was. I think it might, I can't remember if it was Bob or John Fouts, whatever, it's been that long ago. But we came up with our rules of how we would run a movie studio. And we did it um, all independently, so it's like, Stu, how would you run yours? How would I run mm-hmm. mine? And um, I think it was John how he would run his. It might be Bob. I can't remember. Might be both of them. And it was mine was just let filmmakers make their films. Mm-hmm. So if I hire you to make a film, I'm not going to show up on set going, "Oh, Rob, I think can you just change that to this and make that." Th- I want you to. I want to trust you enough to go away and come back with a film. Mm-hmm. And it was it was all things like that. we weren't going to do any test screenings. I wasn't even going to have any press screenings. I've been to too many press screenings because, and it, it's kind of like yourself, I give you a big pile of films for free. Mm-hmm. You'll probably enjoy a lot of them. But if you go out and you pay money to watch a film, you'll probably enjoy that film more because you, you are very careful about what you spend your money on. You go, right, I can buy one Blu-ray. Yep. Which one am I going to get? Ooh, I'm going to go for that one. And you'll probably enjoy it more because you've put some thought into it. And exactly. press screenings, they they go into a film, as their job, to write a review. So you're not really paying attention to the film. You're thinking, right, what can I write? Oh, I can write about that part. Oh, look, coffee cup. I can write about that part. So you're not even (laughs) taking the full enjoyment of it. A bit like, I don't know if you're guilty of it, but I used to be worse than I am now, where I would have my phone in my hand and I'd just be checking Twitter while I'm watching a film and not giving the film 100% attention.
2: This is one of my problems at the moment. Um, I still do that, and um, I'll be checking Twitter, doing something on the internet, because, or sending an email because I need to get it sent, and I ha—I find that the only films then that I take anything in of are kind of films that don't require any thinking. If, it, if, if the film requires thinking, I'll either switch it off because I think, you know what, this film isn't that great, and actually it's nothing to do with the film, it's that I'm not following the film. Yeah. Um, you know, or I'll keep it on and get to the end of the film and go, "What was that about?" Yeah. Um. So that you know, recently I've been making a concerned, effort to to literally take my phone and just stick it next to me and think, "There you go. You can sit there while I'm watching something."
1: Well, I put on uh, I think Annette went out to the shops the other day and I thought, "Right, I'm going to watch a film now," and I put on Ghost in the Shell, which I want to watch. But then I realised that I was sort of checking the phone and and I looked up and I'm thinking, what's happened in the past 10 minutes on this film? So I just switched it off. I thought, I'm not ready to watch this film. Clearly, I'll watch (laughs) it another day. So it's, uh, yeah, technology is a bit of a distraction. I'm doing a lot better than I am now. Now I will leave the phone on silent in the other room. It's like, do you know what? I'll check it when the film's finished. So that's my Mm. latest uh, tactic. And even when I go to work, I'll leave the phone at home. So I, you know, don't have to check it at three in the morning. It's, it's not really an important tweet going to come through to me at three, four in the morning. I'll pick it up in the morning. So technology is great, but it can be a bit of a intrusive thing, can't it? It can, and
2: uh, obviously the the longer we go on, I suppose everybody will forget the time before technology, um before we had that phone connected to us or an implant that will do exactly the same thing or whatever it may be in the future. And uh, it'll make it harder and harder to get that time alone to enjoy something because you'll always have that constant interruption.
1: I just think I'm developing a hatred for mobile phones. I've got one and I use it and I think it's great and I'd be a bit lost if I didn't have one. But I was sitting on the bus coming home from work the other day and there was a bunch of school kids all sat with each other and they were all staring at the phones, all Mm -hmm. head down on the phones at screens not speaking to each other I go to work and at 3 in the morning a lot of people are having their breaks they're all sitting around the big tables all on their phones not speaking to each other And the art of communication is just dying it really <laughs> is people don't have to learn how to spell things anymore they don't have to remember phone numbers They don't have to learn anything because they can just Wikipedia it because obviously Wikipedia is 100% accurate all the time, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Oh, certainly.
1: Oh, no. You know, back when we were kids, pick a book up, read it, learn something, Mm -hmm. watch a documentary. Sounded like old fuddy-duddies, but...
2: Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to uh, get a couple of chairs and, uh, you know, in 20 years' time, sit next to each other, um, looking out, maybe at the sea, and uh, we can do a podcast and just kind of really kind of hate on technology at that point.
1: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, I wasn't sat on a chair, but I was. Annette was on Mars the other day, which is oh, quite lovely. interesting. I saw her being on Mars. Cause virtual I, uh, reality, I presume. It was a virtual reality, and it's a, <laughs> a virtual reality experience that I downloaded from the PlayStation Store. It cost me like £3 something, like £3.99 something it was. And it's uh, the Ridley Scott's The Martian Ooh. virtual reality experience. And uh, what I tend to do with VR is sometimes I'll put it on and then Annette can watch me do whatever the experience is and then she might try a little bit of it. But I thought, you know what, she can try that one first. Mm-hmm. And with VR, see, obviously when you've got the headset on, you're seeing the whole virtual thing. But when mm-hmm. you're outside of that experience and you're looking at the television, you can see... The fr- what's right in front of the person so you can see what they're looking at so you could pretty much see what they're experiencing without the VR part and mm-hmm. it looked really cool have you seen the film of The Martian? I have, yes so it's kind of like uh, it's got a lot of bits from the film in it so Matt Damon's in there and uh, as well as the VR headset a couple of weeks back I picked up the PlayStation Moves which I don't know if you're familiar uh-huh. with those But they're kind of the sticks that become your hands, effectively. Mm -hmm. They've got little triggers and stuff on them. So she was uh, picking up the potatoes and (laughs) and separating the potatoes. So there was a basket for the big potatoes, the medium ones, the small ones. So she was doing all that. And then she went out on the Martian rover and it broke down. And she had to move all these rocks and pick up this uh, plutonium or whatever it was and put it in this basket and close the lid and all this sort of stuff. And it uh, it was really cool. And it's fascinating watching somebody wearing a VR headset because they will make movements where that's the sort of movements you would make if you were actually in that environment. It's kind of weird and freaky to watch. It's uh, it's interesting. So I'm really into this VR thing.
2: Because like for for however much we can talk about technology and say you know a mobile phone is kind of um, evil and you know uh, we uh, you know we, we need to get away from it. If you stuck me in front of a holodeck and said, "There you go, we've now invented this fantastic uh, technology," you probably wouldn't see me for a year, if that you know, if ever really, you know, I might just be stuck in there. Obviously, got to move in uh, friends and family as well, but
1: I mean, that's the thing I'm looking forward to. I don't know whether VR does it yet. I've not heard that it does. Is it? Is it going to be a case of I can put my VR headset on? You can put yours on from down there, and we can mm-hmm. just go meet in a pub, yeah. <laughs> just fantastic. sit and have a conversation and and just talk to each other. That would be amazing. And I'm like, once they crack that, then I'm I'm gone. I'm just going to go live in a, a VR world.
2: You see, I I had this um, kind of years ago, kind of when Skype was first around, and um, you know people have got. A webcam for the first time you could skype that was amazing fantastic and so i i kind of envision this setup where you're sitting in your lounge you've got um, some kind of projector projecting um on one whole kind of wall of your lounge um you then have got a friend or family somewhere else that does exactly the same so when you look at that projection it's like you're seeing their lounge joined onto yours and that, to me, was, you know, that could be cool. I could sit there looking at my mate who I haven't seen for three years and having a conversation, but but looking at them and their kind of life size.
1: Or can you imagine me, you, and Bob in doing a podcast joint of mine? you know, imagine a three yeah. doing a podcast where, you know, he's gonna be living in uh, Fleetwood, which is up near Blackpool at some point. I'm living here, you're living there. We could put our VR headsets on our earphones in, and we could actually have a podcast, record it, and then just put it out, even if it was audio. That would be amazing.
2: Yeah, we could be in a waffle bar.
1: We could be, exactly. Yeah. Virtual <laughs> waffle bar. Exactly. Very strange. But I've not used VR much. I've used it uh, I've I've done Skyrim, played a little bit of that. That's interesting. I've yet to put the Resident Evil one on yet because apparently that is damn scary, and I could see that being very, very creepy. But the the Martian one was interesting. I've done some of the VR worlds, and uh, it's it's good. I'm i definitely I'm happy about it.
2: You see, I'm just thinking I've got to uh, at some point come and visit you because I've got to experience this technology for myself.
1: It's it's weird. It is very strange. And it was, you know, I'd heard people on other podcasts and were like, oh, is amazing and it's this and it's that. And you go, yeah, but can it, is it really that good? Because <laughs> you know, you, you're you still wearing a headset sat on your couch. But it is the weirdest feeling. It's very, very strange. I don't mean like physical feeling, but you you do look around and you can see everything. I mean, it's, it's definitely odd. But yeah, at some point you need to come up and... Uh, you just have a VR experience. But it's, I don't want to get to the point where I'm using it a lot, though, because some people have felt a bit queasy, and I yeah. can see why. I think Skyrim's the only one that I potentially could have felt queasy playing because I had it on for about half an hour, and it's you know it was not really a game that was made in VR. It mm-hmm. was a game that then was converted to VR, so that felt a little bit. Hang on a minute. This could if I stay on it for an extra couple of hours, I may feel a bit off but apparently you do get used to that feeling if it does hit you but
2: you see uh when uh somebody comes up with um kind of the Star Trek universe in VR you know you'll you download it you buy it on some kind of um great format cartridge that's just yet to be uh be made whatever and I can kind of explore that universe, walk around Deep Space Nine, pick a planet and go and experience that, then, uh, yeah, that's when I'm going to be hooped, I think. And then um, this half an hour here and half an hour there goes straight out the window for me.
1: Well, apparently, I put a tweet out the the week and I said, what's the best VR experiences? Because people have done loads of them. So rather than me trying them all and paying money out for them all, it's like, why don't you just ask the people who actually use it? And somebody mm-hmm. did say there is a Star Trek one. It's Star Trek Bridge Crew. I believe it's sold.
2: I I remember when it was released, and this is the power of a franchise like Star Trek. When you're a Star Trek fan, I was, well, very much considering buying myself all the kit, including, you know, 3D headset, and I was I was looking, what's the best one at the moment? You know, Oculus Rift, okay, that one, you know, it's the most expensive too. great, you know, but that's what I need to play this game on. And, like, you know, I think I'd worked out that I needed to spend, like, a couple of grand, you know, yeah. on a new PC and the Oculus Rift and, and everything. And uh, I suppose if I got the money um, at hand that was um, not needed for other things, then... That very much could have just been... Uh, <laughs> thank you, Star Trek. You've just uh, put a two grand dent in my wallet.
1: Nicole would never see you. Rob! What? Shut up. <laughs> it's Romulans. I'm commanding the
2: Enterprise.
1: <laughs> but it it's probably one I will check out. Because I'm just... I'm not really into... I want to play games of virtual reality. I'm thinking that probably is kind of cool. But I'm into the more... I want to experience... Uh, mm-hmm. You know... Just putting it on and escaping, so you know a VR cinema, for example, would be pretty cool, or mm-hmm. a roller coaster one, or or Star Trek or something like that. I bet that's for just even things like Times Square, you know, in mm. New York. You go, I'm just going to go sit and look at that for twenty minutes and stuff. But I'm more into the experience of VR rather than playing video games in it. But uh, it is interesting. It, to, for me, it's as good as I hoped it would be and I was concerned because it's like 300 pound for the headset I thought do I really mm. want to pay that and then find out a it doesn't work for me because of my eyesight or b it's crap and it does work and it's not crap so I'm I'm very happy that I've spent the money and tested it
2: I think it'll be amazing in a few years time to see where it goes as well um just the other day I was looking for um a 4k security camera um you know I've got hd security cameras but i thought 4k is the way to go really crisp clear lots of detail so i was just browsing through amazon as people do and um a this 360 degree 4k camera popped up um i don't know how many kind of lenses around this thing it got but it i think it was a good three thousand pounds
1: yeah but
2: if you read the blurb for it it was, um, you could literally place this camera, create a 3D environment, and then use your 3D headset to go into the 3D environment you've just captured. Wow. You know, so forget about experiencing, you know, the beach live down the road. If i got one of these cameras, I could do it, and then I don't have to leave my house.
1: It's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's bizarre. It is a very cool piece of kit though i've always sort of spent the first 10, 15 minutes as bashing modern technology but <laughs> you know i've not become one of these it's right i'm finished work now i'm going to i'm going to dive into vr i've probably mm-hmm. put it on my head maybe half a dozen times in a month so i'm all right i'm not addicted to it but it's very interesting and it's one of these that when somebody new comes around like when bob did bob you ever mm-hmm. use one no right sit down shut up put it on or when Annette's daughter came round. Right, have you ever used one? Nope, right, sit down, put it on. It becomes one of those, uh, would you like tea, biscuits, VR headset, you yeah, know, give it a go. But it's, uh, it is fun. It's interesting.
2: I think for me when, um, you know, obviously at some point TV will go VR, there will be, I'm sure there'll be proper testing, programs that that really push the boundaries but like you could just imagine you know me being a sci-fi fan you sit down and watch um you know season 34 of red dwarf oh God. and you know you stick your, your vr headset on and you watch lister and rimmer having a conversation in uh, their quarters and then you think you know what pause and then you just start looking around and well, what's that Certificates on the wall. Oh, swimmer's swimming certificates. Have a close up of that. Let's have a look at kind of the wording on there. What does it say? And just explore what what books are on the bookshelf and just mind blown.
1: It is. It's very bizarre. It's, uh, but it's cool. So yes, if I see you up this neck of the woods, then you definitely have to have a VR experience. If it was portable, I would bring it down. But it's kind of not. There's there's a lot of cables and stuff with it, but it's. It's
2: interesting though. Is it heavy? Just to, just to ask it. No, another the
1: person. headset the headset is very comfortable. It looks like it's going to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but there's a there's a button on the back and there's a button on the front you, you when you've got it in your hand you, you push these buttons and it kind of allows you to expand it and you put mm-hmm. it over your head and then let go of the buttons and it's very comfortable on your head and you don't you're not gonna break your neck with it on. So it doesn't mm-hmm. feel weighty. It feels mm-hmm. very light. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Cause it's, the benchmark for me was putting it on Annette's head because if mm-hmm. she wasn't comfortable with it, she would have said so. But she's used it a couple of times now and is fascinated by it.
2: <laughs> she just wants to uh, a virtual um, Lego world, I'm sure.
1: Oh well, we even played because you can put it on and you can watch Netflix on it. Okay, and it's like a two hundred and something. Oh, it's not. Yeah, it's two hundred <laughs> and twenty-inch screen. It's the the size that you're actually you're looking at it. And we decided to put like one of the old Rayman games on, just watch mm-hmm. it in 2D, and it was amazing playing that through such a huge screen. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, you don't necessarily have to do all the VR stuff all the time, but it's uh, you watch YouTube through it and and all sorts. So it's it's kind of odd.
2: Mm, sounds good though.
1: Um, so yeah, so PS VR, The Martian, we did. I am trying to see what other wonderful topics and stuff. I was I was on um, a guest podcast last week. It was the Golan Globus Movie Theatre Podcast. And it was probably a couple of hours after we did our last one. So we did, Super I was I think, at half eight. And <laughs> then uh, finished, I was at 10 o'clock. And at 11 o'clock, I went online. And I think it was like two o'clock when I finished. So I was quite tired <laughs> that day. <laughs> but it was... It's fun being on somebody else's show, but it's kind of weird because you, like certainly with this one, instinctively, I'll just talk and talk mm-hmm. and talk and then somebody else can talk. But when you're on somebody else's, you have to sort of hold back that, oh yeah, I can talk whenever I want mm-hmm. and kind of wait for them to invite you in. So it's a while since I've done that, but we we ripped poor old Superman Four to pieces. One of the hosts, uh, the only Superman film he'd seen was Superman 4. He hasn't seen the first oh, two. No. So he was watching. He said he watched the first one. He quite enjoyed it. And I'm thinking, you're in for some real treats when you watch the first two. Then Even mm-hmm. the third one's better than the fourth one. But, uh, <laughs> I am going to be putting that particular podcast on this feed as well. So that's the next show that's going to go out. So people will be able to hear me talking to the, mm-hmm. the guys from Colin Globus. And they've invited me on again. They pretty much said I can go on whenever. But the next one that they're going to get me on, we'll be talking about Death Wish 4. Okay. Which was the original one that I was, they were going to do. Because they talk about canon movies. So it's all mm-hmm. things like Cobra and yeah. lots of Chuck Norris movies and stuff like that. And, uh, that's why we, <laughs> Superman 4 was eventually the one that we did. But that was fun. So, uh,
2: what do you think about Disney's uh, calendar they've released for the, never, the next seven years?
1: I need to live longer. <laughs> it's like <laughs> what well, to this? I
2: hope you're not going to leave us in the next seven years.
1: I don't plan on doing. But it's like it really sucks being a film fan because you're like, oh no, I need to find out what. I remember when um, it was the previous Pope. I think it was John Paul. Mm-hmm. He when he died, and it was before of The Sith* came out, and I thought he's never going to see that. Film and it's kind of like damn, or or when some like famous people die. It's like John Singleton, the uh, director of Boys and Hood, whatever, died last week. And no, it wasn't my initial thought of he's not going to know how Game of Thrones ends because because he, he won't. But it, it kind of those sort of thoughts do spring to mind. It's like damn. So you know if I'm really into Avatar, I've got to stick around for the next eight years. It's crazy. But I thought Disney were not going to do any Star Wars movies for ten years. That was the story the other month, wasn't it? We're going to take a break.
2: Uh, surely it makes back. too much money to do uh, to to leave alone for that long.
1: It does doesn't it? But have you seen the the, uh, the calendar though? It's like I have. Um, it's Star Wars, Avatar, Star Wars, Avatar, <laughs> Star Wars. I mean, we we're not we do not getting we don't it, get three it, Avatar films, are we? Star
2: and avid. but obviously, there. If you've seen the years, then kind of Avatar kicks off first in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Then you get your Star Wars in 2022, back to Avatar in 23, Star Wars 24, Avatar 25, Star Wars 26, and Avatar 27. All in December, so December's a good month for movies, I think, for, yeah, for the next few years.
1: But do you think we're getting the Avatar movies? They're getting delayed again. How old <laughs> Very is much James like Cameron? It. He's in his 70s now, isn't he? It's like, he needs to just hurry up and make films. <laughs>
2: Well, it's very much like uh, the Indiana Jones 5 that's been pushed back.
1: God, isn't it? It's like, what? But um, I'm looking forward to a Star Wars films Mm because I've enjoyed them all. Yeah. They they will never reach to the limits of Caravan of Courage, of course, but they they will try. They will try to. But are you excited about an Avatar movie anymore? I like the first one. (laughs) But I didn't love it, but I liked it. Thought that was all right. It was quite. Yeah, good. I, I, I liked sequels.
2: the first one. Um, it, it's one of those things. I think you can leave something too long when it's not established. So you know, it was just one movie. It wasn't like the Star Trek franchise where yes, it's been left before for for kind of large amounts of time, or Star Wars, um, and then you know it's picked back up and kind of um everybody's all over it again i'm sure people will be with avatar though i'm sure cinema seats will be filled um but for me it's one of those movies that yeah i'll catch it when it comes on netflix or um yeah. it, it doesn't make me want to rush out like indiana jones makes me want to rush out
1: no it's i don't know it's just The the whole avatar thing just annoys me now because this thing was supposed to come out in like 2013 or whatever wasn't it originally (laughs) the second one and it's just like delay, 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 delay and this one will be delayed there's no way they're coming out on schedule
2: Maybe, just maybe it's held up because they're uh, making the VR version
1: Well that's the only (laughs) thing that if they did that I I would be alright with that it
2: It would make a very nice VR
1: world I think Yeah Oh, God, yeah, it would. It would. But, you know, we're not getting them. But Star Wars films, you excited about those? Do you, what do you think they'll be? Do you think they'll be standalone movies? Do you think they'll be the new saga that either Ryan Johnson's putting together or uh, Benny Elf and Weiss, the Game of Thrones producers, they're doing a trilogy. So is it going to be one of them? or
2: You would think it's one of them. with have been three movies that have been uh, announced.
1: Yeah.
2: Um personally and obviously um it doesn't look like we'll get it because of the reception it had obviously i was a big fan of the solo movie just because it moved out of kind of the the more established star wars universe and kind of created its own and with new characters and you know just it was just fresh so um you know with with being um not being a huge star wars fan just a, a star wars fan I love the solo movie. It was something totally different, and uh, I'd love to see more of them. So I hope that it's something kind of fresher, um, because I'll really be drawn in in by it then. But I'm sure a lot of Star Wars fans wouldn't, and they would complain. So
1: they complain about everything, though, and it's it's a shame. It's like you know, for us, it's just a film. I don't mean just Star Wars, but pretty much any movie is just a movie. Obviously, for the people that make it, pay for it, and you know, with, shoot fifty-five days worth of battle scenes, and then you know, leave coffee cups lying around, it's more than a movie. But <laughs> I think film fans—I'm all for passionate, but it's like get a grip. Mm-hmm. It's like there's no need to just go on the offensive and attack people because they don't agree with your opinion. Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's bizarre.
2: It's one of those things, but, um, obviously Disney's got a lot planned for the next seven years.
1: They have, because they pretty much own everything now, don't they? They own all the Fox things.
2: How do you think that's going to pan out? Do you think that's going to be better for, you know, obviously I think me and you watch a lot of Fox, um, TV shows. Um, you know, the walking dead's Fox, the Orville for me is Fox. um, you know, there's been a lot of Fox stuff that we've sat and watched. And obviously the criticism we've always had with Fox is they're very quick to pull a show and move yeah. on to something new. With uh, with kind of Disney now owning Fox, will that change? Or will kind of the same mechanisms be in play? And-
1: no, I mean, I don't know how they've done with the TV. I don't know whether they... They now own The Simpsons, though. So, you know, Marge mm. Simpson is technically a Disney princess, I guess. Um, simpsons so that, world so at disneyland that. but uh, i think with the films i think it's a shame because there was uh, fox searchlight fox generally mm. would produce films like fight club was was a big fox film that there's no way disney would make fight club it's just too too close to the bone i think Mm-hmm. and also fox searchlight which is now pretty much been dragged into the disney thing and it will be no more they used to do a lot of the smaller independent films mm-hmm. and i think they're the ones that are going to suffer i think disney are going to be very very good at the big tentpole things so your star wars your avatars your marvel movies
0: you mm-hmm. know
1: x-men will probably come out again at some point but you're not going to get little films you know like Sophia Coppola directed The Virgin Suicides or something like that th- Yeah, th- I don't think we're going to get as many of those so I think for indie filmmakers I think it's a shame but obviously for your popcorn fans mm-hmm. they'll they'll be happy because they'll just get even more sequels and spin-offs and you know, shared universes and all that sort of stuff
2: that I is I true um, so uh, and and how big can these Disney parks get though?
0: That's the question.
1: I
2: I don't know if you've been following. They're building this big kind of Star Wars kind of land. And it does look amazing. You know, for me, not not being a, you know, it was the whole Star Trek, Star Wars, and I went the Star Trek route. Some will say the dark side. But, um, you know, looking at that Star Wars land, I'm impressed. I want to go and immerse myself in that, you know, and Mm -hmm. lose myself in Star Wars land
1: does look amazing apparently it's very expensive star wars galaxy's edge but there are there are people who have been around it already you know the press and stuff like that they say it's pretty impressive it's still in its early stages because there's big spaces where there's going to be experiences Mm -hmm. but you know you can't walk up to a a vendor and get a pepsi or even all the drinks and the food are all kind of star warsy so you can you got blue milk or whatever it is and yep. it may be like pepsi in a in, in a glass or whatever but it won't be like a, a pepsi can so they are going full hog but
2: and, th- and they, this is where disney's one step ahead isn't it again you know forget vr who needs vr we'll just build the real thing for you
1: yep and then obviously disney are going to be a, su- a proper threat to netflix mm because they will and they've already announced disney plus which is quite cheap Mm-hmm. to uh, To subscribe to so uh, America gets it in November we get it apparently like January February something the year after that but all the episodes of The Simpsons will be on there all the Marvel stuff you're going to get Mandalorian the Star Wars movies Pixar stuff the, all the Disney classics as far as I know So there's yeah. a lot of content on there and then that content is just going to disappear from Netflix mm-hmm. so I think Netflix do need to up the game a little bit cause <laughs>
2: You know. And what's going to happen to um, Disney Life? Any idea with that one? Is it going to be kind of taken over? Will Disney Life become kind of... Is,
1: uh, is that a TV channel?
2: Yeah, it's it's their kind of again their um, subscription-based online service that oh. you know you can you can watch through your Netflix box or whatever if you've got the right app installed. Um, so at the moment, you know, it's got all the Pixar stuff. It's got um, Disney movies. It's got all the Disney TV shows, for, uh, original stuff. And um, yeah. but obviously, it hasn't got the Marvel stuff. And
1: I think that'll all be incorporated into. Yeah, Disney it'll Plus. just kind of
2: yeah, just move up.
1: Because if you think, I mean, I have Netflix, and mm. it's I do watch. I was watching an episode of Orange is New Black earlier on, but that's finishing, so that's got one more season, and then it's done. House of Cards done. All the Marvel stuff, that's finished. That's going to go onto uh, other platforms and eventually come back on Disney. Plus. So it's like, what do Netflix have? Hmm. They've got one more season of Stranger Things, then that's done. So it's like, is there anything to make you go, I need to have Netflix?
2: Well, uh, this is the thing with the streaming services because obviously everything gets um, chopped up. Everyone wants the piece of the pie. So you've got your Netflix, you've got your Disney life at the moment, you've got your um amazon prime um i find myself you know i'll i'll be on netflix and i'll watch a few things and then i find myself scrolling through for 20 minutes thinking what am i going to watch next and think i've watched that i've watched that i've watched that that i'm not that bothered about i've watched that one so then i switch netflix off and i go and pick up um you know amazon let's have a look what amazon's got and i find myself you know on some nights flicking through several different services and then coming to the end and going oh, I'll just put on a Big Bang Theory
1: I've done that I've spent longer trying to find something on Netflix than I would have done watching something mm-hmm. you know I put a film on for 10 minutes and go nah not bothered put another one on and go oh, I know what I watch I'll watch an episode of this no, yeah. Right. and it's before <laughs> I know it I could have watched one of my many many DVDs that I'd watched mm-hmm. it's, it's bizarre so I think the Disney thing is very interesting but i think netflix should be a little bit concerned and uh i don't know who knows what they're going to bring out to combat that but
2: what we really need is uh, some uh kind of streaming service that incorporates all the other pay streaming services and um your what you watch for your 10 or 20 pounds per month or whatever it may be um is logged And they go, right, at the end of this month, Disney had 60% of uh, your watching share. Netflix had 20%. And that money that you've paid goes, right, 60% to Disney, 20% to you.
1: Yep, that would make sense. I'd love to keep track of stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm finding that I am going back to disc-based stuff because I have a lot of DVDs and Mm Blu-rays and stuff. But it's like the other week uh, I went out and I picked up Aquaman on Blu-ray, which I've not yet watched. I picked up uh, Venom, which I have watched. And uh, I thought, I'll, rather than rent them or wait for them to stream or whatever, I'm going to buy the Blu-rays and sit and watch them. But, uh, and, and with the older films, I'm going back and I'm rewatching stuff. I watched Kramer vs. Kramer the other week. And, um, I sat down the other day and... There's sh- a shoebox, we call it, which is just an actual box with lots of DVDs and Blu-rays in it, that I deem... Worthy that Annette can watch. She's Your lucky like dip like Lu- The lucky dip yep. box. So I've got one box for me, one box for Annette. So it's like, right, Annette picked one out of the, the box and she picked it out, and it was the first Final Destination, ah. which she'd never seen. And I've seen it a few times, so I was familiar with it, and Tony Todd's in it, so therefore it's very good. And um, yeah, we, we sat and watched that, and it was, I wouldn't have scrolled through Netflix going, right, I need to find Final Destination. It's, it's just <laughs> but, wouldn't do
2: it this is another problem i found that you know you've got all these streaming services which obviously is how i get my content um i don't seem to um have a a large dvd or blu-ray collection so i kind of rely on these services and um there'll be things that i really want to watch um for for one reason or the other Um, a good example is um the New Adventures of Black Beauty, which I finally watched the first three or four episodes of with my my daughter the other day. Um, but I've, I've been looking for this uh, for probably the last 12 months, thinking this would be something great for me and Addy to sit down and watch It's something I remember as a kid. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of share some of that, because I, I love kind of re-watching something I watched as a kid with her and seeing her reaction. And um, But none of the streaming services have something like that and in the end it had to resort to youtube you know new adventures yep. of Black beauty there we go episode 1 off we you know off we go and
1: god bless youtube
2: yeah exactly <laughs> um you know obviously i'd prefer it to be on a, a service that, uh where someone's getting paid for it
1: yeah but
2: you know the fact that you know there's, there's so much content out there that's kind of been lost in the abyss
1: well, talking about The Abyss, that's still never come out on Blu-ray, so it's like, come on. <laughs> it's crazy. We're still waiting for The Abyss on Blu-ray, and we're still waiting for True Lies on Blu-ray. It's crazy. Why are they not out? Because so many films are getting lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back to the VHS era, when we were mm-hmm. around as kids and so many films were around, and then the you know, DVD came out, and a lot of VHS didn't go to DVD, mm-hmm. and now Blu-ray came out. A lot of the DVDs didn't go to Blu-ray. It's like, where are all these like classic? Films? I can't remember the last time I saw uh, Critters Three or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's, I'm sure there is actually a Critters box set that's just come out, but
2: there is a Critters box set. There
1: is. I thought uh, that was.
2: Unfortunately, it's not high definition. It's just DVD. Yeah. There isn't a Blu-ray, Blu-ray version, but I do yeah. own it.
1: I do own it. Is <laughs> this is four Critters? Is there four movies?
2: Uh, there
1: is. The, I haven't the, ever the, seen three
2: this is again um with things getting lost like you say things not going from dvd well vhs to dvd dvd to to blu-ray um with with the critters movies i was desperate for blu-ray copies i thought you know it'd be great to watch them in high definition couldn't find nothing you know they hadn't been released so i went out and bought um the dvd box set yeah and then um still in my quest to well will anybody ever make this in um hd kind of uh, i was browsing the web and found that um amazon was offering a digital version that i could stream um that supposedly was um higher definition than the dvds oh, so okay. I, you you're always a bit kind of are they telling the truth here? So what I did is I thought, I won't buy it. I'll pay for um, the rental. Yeah. So it was like £3.50 or whatever it may be. And um, I there was there's a particular scene where um, there's some kind of um, newspaper clippings. So I took a screenshot from the DVD version, I zoomed in, I'm looking at these, and I, you couldn't make out really any of the writing. And then I watched... Um, the Amazon version again took a screen grab of that particular scene, although the the movie did feel better quality already. And uh, surely, surely enough, I could read the words on this uh, um, this newspaper clipping that was was in the the scene, which which kind of amazes me that a streaming service like Amazon can get hold of a a, a higher resolution version of the film, yet nobody will release it on onto a Blu-ray.
1: I think what happens though is um, with a lot of the technology, it'll upscale them. Because mm-hmm. I've had it where I've I've taken a home video that I've that I've shot, or you know, one of the travel films, or something like that, or experience at Comic Con is a very good sort of idea for that. And I could put it on a USB stick, go downstairs, put it on my four K TV and it, obviously it won't come out 4K because it wasn't shot in 4K, but it comes out pretty clear and the camera transitions are not too bad um, and it looks pretty good. But if I then put it onto a DVD, it kind of mm-hmm. downscales it yeah, because it's got to compress it to whatever the format of DVD is and then it looks a bit shit. So I'm thinking that's probably what happened mm-hmm. with the film you watched where the digital one was fine, but yeah, when it went down to DVD, it was a bit bad, but...
2: But it, but it does yeah. disappoint you when you've paid out your money for your DVD. But, but the yeah. streaming one, obviously, you know, I'm again old school. You know, I like to feel like I've got something for my hard-earned money. So mm. having the DVD there in my hand is fantastic compared to um, a a streaming version of the film that I never feel like I properly own.
1: And the thing is, you don't. And that's one uh one of my arguments. It's like if I go out and I buy a DVD, then I own that DVD. Obviously, I don't mm. own. The rights to show the film in a cinema or whatever, but I can watch that DVD as many times as I want. It's fine, it's mine until the disc dies, and then I'm going to buy another yeah. one. But um, if you rent it or whatever, or watch it on a streaming service that you're paying for, they could just pull that film. Mm. Which, if you think Ultraviolet, which was a great, I was just
2: about yeah, Ultraviolet. I. I I, I used to, when, when I used to buy a lot of DVDs, obviously a lot of them would come with the little insert that you get, get this on Ultraviolet as well. So I'd go and sign up for it, because I thought, oh, I might, I might want to do that at some point. Never really watched it, but if I did, then I'd be disappointed now when I got that email that went out that said, sorry, we're shutting down this service.
1: I have about 70, 75 films on an Ultraviolet collection. Mm-hmm. And I was the same. I would uh, On some cases, I would buy the Blu-ray because it had an ultraviolet code, so I wanted to watch the film anyway, but I thought, no, I'm going to get it now, because it's got a code in it. Mm -hmm. And I've built up a great library, and a lot of that will disappear. I don't know which ones will disappear, but they will. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. crazy. And even things like Apple, if you've got uh, like an iTunes code for a movie, they can just go, yeah, we're we're not housing that film anymore. We're getting rid, so your film disappears. So I would always rather have a physical disc.
2: Plus you can get it signed.
1: Exactly, you can get it. Started. I want to uh, pick up Cannibals and Carpet Fitters, which is now out.
2: Yes, on, I want to get a DVD. copy of that as well.
1: And you know, everybody's been tweeting it this week. I've got mine, I've got mine, I've got mine. I'm thinking, well, I'll get mine when I get paid. <laughs> I'll yeah. get paid in like two <laughs> weeks. Or, or next week, I think it is, actually. Um, I'll, I'll get mine then. <laughs> Until then, sorry, can't do it. And I kind of feel bad because it's like, well, I've been supporting that film and a lot of other films for ages, but at the end of the day, I, you know, I don't get paid for this, so I'll have to wait <laughs> until I buy my own copy. But I did enjoy the film, and I dug my review out and reshared it and whatnot the other day. But it's it's a fun movie, so, and you've not seen that one yet, have you?
2: I haven't. No, it's good, um, but it's definitely one that's uh, on my list.
1: Yeah, it's, it's entertaining, um, which is what films should be.
2: I've been uh, kind of sucked into the world of the Switch um, a bit more. Well, actually, more yeah. the world of Lego. Um, okay. because I'm loving the uh, the Lego Incredibles um, game that we've got. Uh, we seem to be spending uh, quite a lot of time uh, kind of going through the missions on that. Um, so much so that, you know, it's the Incredibles 2, and we were halfway through the game um, when um, we noticed that Incredibles 2, um, which we hadn't seen, was available to watch on one of the streaming services. So we sat down as a family and watched uh, that, um, but after, like I say, playing half of the game, so kind of seeing bits and bobs from the movie.
1: Yep, it's a great game. It's a, and I played quite a lot of that one. <laughs> so it's good. I still think the best Lego games that I've seen, the Harry Potter ones, are very, very good. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether they're available or not for the Switch, but I think they the are. Apple. I
2: think they've got like a, a set of them now.
1: Yes. Yeah, with sort of one and two in it. Mm. They're very good. And they were the first ones we ever played and it was because I'd gone around to Bob's house, and he was sitting playing the first one, and I'm like, what's that? And what's Lego Harry Potter? I'm like, that actually looks quite good, so uh, Annette saw it, and she went, I might pick that up, and then since then she's picked up every Lego game conceivable that's, that's mm-hmm. been released so far, and I've played a whole bunch of them, but the the Lego Marvel ones, I think you would love, because they are huge! They They are such a I can't get over how big the game is. It's massive, and it's um, a lot of it's quite difficult because obviously you got Iron Man, you can fly around in in space and stuff like that. But it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. That You do get your money's worth for the Lego games. That's for damn sure.
2: Well, Addie's birthday's coming up, um, and uh, her granddad, who nicely bought the Switch early for her birthday, which is why we have a Switch in the first place. um called up the other day and said do you think she'd want another game for the Switch for for her actual birthday so it looks like she'd get another one and that could very well be another Lego game
1: yeah the only one I would stay away from and it's not because it's awful it's just not as good as any of the others by any means are the Lego movie games
2: Ah, that was one of the ones we were considering. We were considering the Lego Movie Two, I think it was.
1: Yeah, we. I picked that up for and out when it came out. It was all exciting. because generally they'll release like two Lego games a year. Usually mm-hmm. one like February and one about November. And I picked up the Lego Movie Two, and it just it didn't seem to have a narrative story. Uh, it yeah. just seemed to be these different little worlds that you go on, and you just run around in a bit of a sandbox, and it didn't. It didn't feel like the lego incredibles which obviously got some sort of a storyline to it yeah it just felt kind of all over the place it was as if they went oh we need to bring a game out for lego movie 2 what we got uh yeah that'll do it it's not not great mm-hmm. so i would sort of recommend avoiding the lego movie games mm-hmm. but any of the others you would definitely you would love them that sounds good so it's good but yeah we're uh that's the Lego expert, but I'm <laughs> a, a secondary expert, because obviously she's played it on my Xbox One. So,
2: um, but yeah. Um, kind of moving on, um, yep. let's uh, rebrand the podcast to the official Star Trek podcast. Okay. Uh, because I don't know if you've heard, Star Trek has uh, now launched its global franchise uh, business, and they want to kind of push it um globally um and not just kind of uh sit on the movies and the tv shows they want to kind of push into every kind of nook and cranny possible for for the star trek and i suppose milk it for everything it's got don't um they,
1: don't they do that already though because they've got games and books and comics and, and video well, games
2: well i was reading a new, an article earlier about it and um it specifically said um let's see if i can find it actually um true so it says that this franchise group will manage and maximize the expansion of the brand beyond the traditional boundaries of linear broadcasting and streaming with the goal of broadcasting the star trek fan community through multiple avenues such as podcasts new digital spaces and live um, experiential events so uh if, if they're interested in podcasts maybe they could just send us some money and we can rebrand
1: Oh, hell yeah. i will happily start up a Star Trek podcast and you can host start one and I'll just show up and you can educate me in the world of Star Trek.
2: You know, and if they've got lots of money, uh, you know, we could all have a captain's chair while we do it, you know. and
1: Have a little communicator badge. Yeah, exactly. That would do, little uniforms that we could wear and just go full geek.
2: <laughs> a Cornish pasty on my head and become a Klingon.
1: Yep. It sounds fun to me. I'm going to become a Bajoran, I think.
2: So uh so yeah, it's interesting. I'll see what I'll be interested in seeing what they're gonna do with it, but I hope it's not gonna become too commercialised and they forget where it kinda came from.
1: Well that's the problem. We've touched upon that before, with, uh, with the with the rebooted movies. Yeah. They are they are Star Trek in name, but they're kind of more Star Wars before we got the new Star Wars films. It's it's like this is what Star Trek is. No, that's not what Star Trek is. Yeah it is. No it's not.
2: And I think, um, you know, obviously we were talking earlier about people always um, kind of having something negative to say about something. And I suppose I can fall into that category with the new Star Trek stuff. And it's not that I've got something negative to say about a show or the movie per se. Because the new Star Trek movies, I like them as movies in their own right. I just don't feel they follow that kind of Star Trek narrative that was set originally. Yeah.
1: No, I'm the same. Yeah. You're not going to watch these new Star Trek movies and go, they are terrible films. Mm-hmm. But they are—they don't feel like the Star Trek that we were used to. But I suppose maybe I don't know how did people feel about the Next Generation and DS9. Well, I think when the ne- they were fans of the original series. Maybe they felt a bit
0: alienated.
1: Mm.
2: The Next Generation seemed to be well received, whereas Deep Space Nine was seen as this uh, totally new and uh, kind of dark show that kind of didn't follow. The Star Trek narrative even though I think if you actually uh, persist and actually watch through it it does yeah. um but talking about shows you know the Orville um their um season two finale kind of was fantastic um they are now kind of lobbying Fox for a season three because nothing's been announced so very much like the passage um mm-hmm and uh but what I liked the most about kind of the the last few episodes of the or-, or episodes of the Orville season two is the amount of cameo um appearance they've had from um um you know Star trek alumni you know, marina certis uh, she's been in there um the one for me though is Mr Tony Todd has now been in the Orville yeah. as well, and I am over the moon I really <laughs> am to to me it just makes um you know his autograph so much more sought after for my collection um i think if i ever planned a trip to america to a convention it would be yep. around tony todd i would yep. find where he was going and i'd make sure i get there to get an autograph
1: and he does do quite a few conventions mm. so he does pop up but obviously he's very pl- prolific on twitter and stuff so but super nice guy who follows us both
2: yeah and very interestingly um i was doing some uh research on my favorite deep space 9 episode the visitor yeah. and um i was reading about kind of his involvement in it and at the time um he'd lost um i can't remember what family member it was i thought oh no i think it was um it might have been the the lady who'd brought him up right um you know, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was somebody very special to him. And he'd gone through a, a slump in his career, kind of turning down stuff, and um, and then apparently um, he was asked to to play the role of The Visitor in Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and he read through um, the role and, and took it on. And uh, apparently to this day, um, it was the, the one role he wished that person that had sadly passed had been able to see him in.
1: And that was the one conversation that we'd had that resulted in him following you as well, wasn't it? I think? Mm-hmm. Where yeah,
2: it was it, so, was so it was. it
1: was that. Still has a place in his heart, I'm guessing.
2: And, and mine too. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely one of those episodes, for me, that I can watch time and time again. I know what's coming up. I know what's going to go down. And I'll be in tears every time.
1: See, I feel the same about the next gen episode where Picard ends up falling in love with somebody, and he ends up playing that flute in the uh, Jeffrey's tube. Yeah, I love that. And just Mm -hmm. it's a nice. There's no big action set pieces in it or anything, but you go, you know what? That's a really nice episode. So that's uh, there's a few gems. You know, take the Borg out of next gen. You've still got a lot of classic episodes in there. Oh yeah,
2: Um, but you know, for me. Um, Tony Todd can do no wrong and I want to watch everything that guy's been in.
1: That uh, could be a homework to watch all <laughs> of his stuff. I have seen, seen him in a lot. He's done a lot of stuff.
2: Why hasn't he got more Twitter followers?
1: I He's don't know, there's a nice there's guy. A f- there is a few filmmakers like that who, and a, a lot of them f- follow me because obviously obviously otherwise I wouldn't know who they were type thing. And you look at their followers and you're like, Okay, why? Why have you not got lots? I don't know. It's it's odd. Tony Todd's one of them. I think he's he's definitely in the, the you know the, the double figure thousands. Mm. But um, there's a few. There was um, the guy started following me the other week, and I've been trying to get him to follow me for geez, a couple of years. It was a guy called Ian Softly, yeah. who's a British film producer. And he directed K-Pax, the Kevin Spacey mm-hmm. film, which is great if you've never seen that. And he directed a film called Backbeat, which features a somebody else I know called Scott Williams and Scott and I were chatting and Scott had copied in Ian Softly, and I made a comment congratulating Backbeat for its its anniversary since it came out and next thing I know Ian Softley's following me and I'm like oh my <laughs> god and he was sort of uh, instrumental in a lot of the early you know the the big Brit films before Lockstock so I, I'm familiar with his name but he's only got like 2,000 followers you're like oh, "Wow."
2: What? It's very strange. Like Tony Todd just looked him up thirty-eight point eight thousand.
1: So it, you know, it's a, a good number, that's, but that's but cool. he
2: deserves so many more.
1: Yeah, but is it a case of the young? I mean, I don't know what the demographic of people who use social. I, I'm going to stop calling it social media now because I was listening to a podcast the other night and the guy over there went, "I don't know why they call it social media. It's actually a social network." And I go, Do "You know what? You got a point." Hmm. So, um, so I'm going to start trying to call it that. And, you know, what the, the sort of general age for people who use Twitter is, I don't know, maybe a mm-hmm. lot of people aren't familiar with Tony Todd or names of that. So they'll be familiar with Candyman. Yeah. But if you ask them who played Candyman, they will not have a clue. No. I don't think. So it's, it's why we're getting so many remakes of things. We get a remake of Cliffhanger, apparently.
0: Mm. It's
1: a bit odd, not that we need one at all, but... Uh,
2: yeah, I still need uh, Roswell, New Mexico to grace a streaming service in the UK, please.
1: It will come out at some point. Yes. <laughs> so at some point, we'll have to do a top five Tony Todd roll oh, podcast yes. episode. Um, but there's a lot. He's he's been in a lot of stuff.
2: I quite happily watched. dedicate a show to him every week.
1: I don't know if Tony would need a every single week to be a podcast. Cause he
2: I wouldn't, think he but be- because I, I kind of think so highly of the guy, then uh, you know, for me. That would be fine. Do
1: you think there's enough content to, you know, warrant a show every week for, for him, maybe?
2: Of course, you know, uh, you know, if you want to be great, you've got to create your own content. So, you know, I'm sure there's stuff that we can come up with.
1: That's true. Top 10 films that Tony Todd should make, but hasn't.
2: Yeah, t- top <laughs> 10 Tony Todd moments. That yeah. time when I found out in the middle of Tesco that he was following me, he sent me a message on social media. There you go. Nobody else is going to have that one in that list.
1: No, I wasn't in the middle of Tesco when I found out. But I was—I <laughs> I do remember geeking out, thinking, "Oh my god, Tony Todd's follow me!" It's, yeah, it's quiet.
2: I, I that's was, again. I was walking up and down uh, aisles, just smiling, and everybody just thinks, "You know, what's that weirdo doing?" And i was just do like, "You don't
1: find it weird though, because I still find it weird to this day why some of the people that follow me follow me. Um, it's, it's kind of odd." <sighs> It
2: may be hard to believe, but not weird, because to me, it just probably means they're down-to-earth nice people, whereas yeah. you do have yeah. some, you know, some celebrities, um, as, as you can call them, who wouldn't, you know, well, you see their accounts, you know, you, you only have to look at Tony Todd in front of me, he's following 13.7 thousand people, whereas if you go to another celebrity, they might be following all of 24 people, or yes. So I think it says a lot about the person as well.
1: I think it does. Yeah. So it's, uh, I do find the whole sort of social followings and things very strange. So I remember the other week when Matt Goss started following me. I mean, Luke Goss has been following me for a few years. And I understand why, because a lot of the films that I watch, he's in it and I'll retweet them and it's fine. And, and But then for Matt Goss to start following him, am like, well, you're a musician. <laughs> you're not so much an actor. So why are you follow me? I guess it's, it's, as you said, it's like, because he's a nice person and this stuff, yeah. you know, I guess he thought I was or thinks I am. So I'm, I'm all right with that. I do, I do find it odd though.
2: And I believe they're, they're getting back together for another documentary, is it? I know
1: um, they're getting together for some more concerts, which uh-huh. is quite good. So they're obviously, I mean, the documentary is still one of the best documentaries I've seen, regardless of whether you're a fan of Bros music or not. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it is interesting. And it's, uh, yeah, I would check it out if you can do.
2: It's, it's one of those that, again, I'm waiting for it to grace the, uh, the, the, my screen on a streaming service. So if, if one of uh, you guys want to get on it, you know, Netflix, Amazon, whichever you may be, then uh, I can watch it.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's on iPlayer. If Is you it? That, BBC iPlayer, yeah, I believe it, it was anyway.
0: Uh-huh. So no, it's, I'll it's have a look.
1: It's having a look on that. But it's one of those documentaries, you, you sort of go into it thinking... Not really a fan of the music. I'm aware of it, but mm-hmm. I didn't buy any of the albums. And how, how good is this documentary really going to be? And by the end of it, you're like, whoa, I really enjoyed that. Makes no sense. I felt the same about the Amy Winehouse documentary. Amy, I wasn't a massive fan of Amy Winehouse's music. Mm-hmm. I was aware of it. I didn't hate it, but I, wasn't, I didn't have any Amy Winehouse albums or anything. And I didn't cry when she died or whatever. But the documentary is. is so well put together you can't help but go you know what that is an impressive piece of filmmaking
2: but i think that's that's one of um to me one of the most pleasurable moments about watching um something when you don't expect it to be um anything special and then it blows your mind for me i i had that moment when um i watched confessions of a superhero documentary Mm -hmm. you know and i remember calling you and telling you you know how this fantastic documentary was and i had to go and watch it a second time and i it was just one of those moments where i was doing that thing that we spoke about earlier where i'm flicking through um whatever it was think might have been amazon thinking come on i've got to find something that i haven't watched and you know could mildly interest me it was like documentary about some superheroes on hollywood boulevard yeah go on then it's a bit of cosplay in there It, it sounds like i can put it on and you know tweet at the same time and it'll you know there'll maybe be something good in there and then you know i didn't pick up my phone i just sat and watched this thing thinking wow what a fantastic documentary i'd love to make my own as you know as good as this
1: well you could do i mean look at me it's like i'd uh, experience a comic-con one mm I did it if I go back and watch it I'd probably think right I need to re-edit it or but but the way that that project was put together it was never planned out to be a film it was never right I need this scene I need that scene it was all home video stuff that I'd shot and then when it came to Sci-Fi Wales and then San Diego Comic Con then that was kind of planned out but even then it was never right I need a shot of this that and the other because I didn't have the opportunity to do it Mm -hmm. it's still a film yeah so you could you could make a film. There's never been... I remember saying it to uh, a girl in the audience, Sci-Fi Wales, I think she about 10 or something. So I'm sat there chatting with Murray MacArthur and um, we, we we ended up speaking to this girl on the stage. It was like, there's never been a better time to make a film. Anybody can make one nowadays. Mm-hmm. You could shoot it on your phone. You could cut it together on your, your computer with free software and you can upload it to YouTube or Vimeo. Mm-hmm. It's just a case of just going out and doing it, I think you know obviously if you think right i 'm going to go i 'm to make the films that Neil Johnson makes, right. I need spaceships, I need visual effects <laughs> that's I would never get into that realm because i don 't have the patience or the the brain power to go right. I need to learn how to do how to make spaceships. It blows my mind when I watch some of Neil's stuff because mm-hmm. it 's like he 's done probably ninety percent of that stuff himself, maybe even more. But, you know, you look at the credits and there are other names and stuff on there.
2: And Neil's stuff he, really does look probably, so... It's, probably,
1: it's insane. You think, well, yeah. it's not a massive studio that's doing this. It's not hundreds of millions of dollars. It's pretty much Neil going, right, I need to do this. And it does it. It kind of blows my mind how he does what he does. But there will be a style of filmmaking that you can do. Like, for me, it's like with the Mimi stuff. It was like, right, here's a basic story of one person and there's dialogue in it and something happens, right? Is that feasible for me to shoot? Well, yeah, because I'm going to set it all in a house. Well, I can get a house for a couple of hundred quid, so that's fine. Or I could shoot at my own house. That was one option. Mm -hmm. I thought, nope, I want to use somebody else's. Right, well, I need to find cast. And I found cast and we worked out and we, we worked a deal out with the cast and that's done. Right, I now need a camera got a camera right well i'm not gonna have big helicopter scenes you you kind of you you write to what you can afford i think Mm -hmm. it's probably the best bit of advice that i'd give and it was um it was a filmmaker called sasha bennett who was on the podcast probably a year a year ago and we were chatting about some films and he said the worst thing he could ever do is write a line of dialogue go and then a helicopter flew over (laughs) <laughs> very very easy to write but mm-hmm. it's a nightmare to actually do that shot yeah and so with the Mimi stuff i've written it with budget in mind so there's minimal cast there's minimal locations i think in each film i think there's probably just one prop
2: and then prop a film. rubber duck swam past there we go yeah
1: I mean, a rubber duck, <laughs> I mean even then you go right well a rubber duck i can find but how are we going to make it so i'll so just forget it it's not happening So for me, I like writing to what I could afford and what I could shoot. Mm -hmm. And that would be something that I think you would do as well. You're not going to go, right, I'm now going to write a Game of Thrones prequel with with thousands of people run over the hill because you say that's (laughs) going to be a nightmare. But it's fun. I would like to see a Robert Dyer movie.
2: Hmm. If anybody's interested, let me know and I'll think about it. (laughs)
1: but what I mean you'd you'd want to do one on your cosplay I think wouldn't you I mean your Hollywood Um, one would be the ideal one I think
2: you see I think uh, what makes um the um confessions of uh, of a superhero work for me is the fact that you know it's not glamorous what they do in a way you know they're doing it to make a living and you know some of them really enjoy it and others it is just a, a way to make some money and get by in a city that they thought maybe they could have done, gone on to do something better. Um, and whereas I don't know if the cosplay world over here would hold such a draw, you know, is it just the fact that I enjoy dressed up in a costume and going to a convention? It doesn't have the same backstory where, you know, I've got to make some money here to feed myself or, you know, I, uh, didn't like where my life was going at home with my parents. So as soon as I could, I ran away um, to to Hollywood to, to make something of myself. And this is where I wound up. Because um, what makes it is those, those kind of beautiful backstories, finding out why these people are doing what they're doing. Um, and, you know, would the cosplay scene hold the same um, kind of hold on you? I'm not sure.
1: I think it would. Because you see, I mean, we've all done conventions, we've all been to conventions that we weren't involved in in time, and you'll see people with just amazing costumes. Oh,
2: yeah, fantastic
1: costumes. So much work. And even the story of, right, how much did that costume cost? (laughs) What made you choose that one over anything else? And how how the hell did you make it is an interesting story. And that's before you delve into why do you like cosplay, Mm. what you get out of it, is there a downside to it? So you, you've got that. I think that would be fascinating. I also think you've, there's a lot of interesting stories out there from women cosplayers. Mm-hmm. So you, I would investigate the difference between what it's like to be a male cosplayer and what it's like to be a female cosplayer. Yeah. I'm sure there's a, there's a slightly darker element to being a, a female cosplayer, which there's organisations battling that sort of well,
2: stuff. Yeah, cosplay is not consent.
1: Exactly. And I think there's a lot of people who do the cosplay thing because it's escapism because obviously maybe they're not happy with their life. So Mm -hmm. they go, well, when I put this Dan costume on or Wonder Woman costume on or whatever, then I'm somebody else. So you could tackle the sort of the the mental, maybe a mental illness type issue where they go, well, I'm really depressed when I'm not wearing this costume, but when I'm wearing it, I'm great. It kind of works. So there's a whole lot. And those are all just conversations that you'd have with somebody. Mm. I think it can be very interesting. One of the films that I would love to shoot at some point is to go into a city centre, sit down next to a homeless guy, and go, "How'd you get here?" That would be fascinating. Or, or even go around an old folks' home. Can you imagine going into an old folks' home with a camera and <laughs> finding like the oldest person in there and go, "Tell me, tell me about your life. What happened? What's what's been the highlights? What's been the sad points?" It's fascinating.
2: Well, it's it's funny you should mention that because. Um both of my um, my grandmothers um, suffer with dementia one sadly isn't here anymore and one still is um, uh, living in a, a nursing home because she needs kind of 24 hour care and um, one of kind of the best things I, I own now is um, when I decided I think um probably eight or so years ago um while sitting next to her having a conversation and before um alzheimer's is really taking hold um of grabbing my old nokia phone at the time hitting the record button on um the voice recorder and i sat there and asked her questions for about an hour and kind of listening back to that now is kind of gold dust because obviously she's deteriorated to a point where you can't have those kind of conversations and you can't hear about things in the past because she just doesn't remember them. Um, So, you know, from that point of view, everybody should really be a a filmmaker or, um, or something and just talk to the people they love because you never know. When something's going to change, and that person isn't there anymore,
1: no, you don't. I remember when I used to record a lot with Anthony Alex, who's—he's thankfully he's started, he's resurrected his Angry Mailman podcast, which is great. <laughs> but he would, he and I would talk for hours and hours on on episodes and stuff. And he'd been podcasting since before I started. And he said the reason that he does it is because it's his legacy. He said one day he'll be gone. Mm-hmm. and yet his kids can go back and they can listen to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of him talking about stories that he's not necessarily sat down and told them. It's kind of like, you know, like in, in 20 years' time or 30 years' time or whatever, Addy can listen to these podcast episodes. It's, exactly. It's, it's bizarre. It's, it's, we are documentarians pretty much, aren't we?
2: And, and that is a beautiful side about technology now, um, the rise of the internet. Obviously, we've gone full circle of kind of criticizing it and hating it to uh, talking about VR. And, and then something else beautiful that's come from it is that ability to be able to document things, upload it to a cloud, and and essentially have it live forever. Um, and, yeah, when, you know, the, there are things there now with, with the internet that means that, that after you're gone, the people who cared about and loved you still have access to a wealth of information, you know, social media profiles, yeah. um, you know, your thoughts, your uploaded videos and photos, you know, that, you know, is, is fantastic compared to, uh, you know, just, you know, 20 years ago.
1: I mean, there's a few people on my Twitter timeline. Uh, one of them's a guy called John Schnepp who, who put together a documentary about Superman the Superman mm-hmm. Libs film, the, the, what happened to it. And he's no longer with us. He died. And he died suddenly. And yet his Twitter account is still there. And I've never unfollowed it because I thought, like, why would you? And I can still go mm-hmm. look at the tweets and this, that, and the other. And there's, you know, there's people that I've podcasted with years and years ago who've passed away, uh, very young ages. And I can go back and I can listen to the episodes that I recorded with them. And uh, I mean, sort of photos. We lost Peter Mayhew you know, mm-hmm. Chewbacca last week. And my experience with him wasn't great. It was, uh, which is a story I've told quite a few times. And I actually found a photo where I'd, I'd taken it behind him. So it's like, yeah, that's, I remember that. That's when I took a picture of Peter Mayhew and he's here in his yellow t shirt and his leather pants and all that sort of stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, mm. we're documenting experiences.
2: It is. It's, 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 well, everything's life, but yeah. you know, it's nice that it can be recorded for future generations.
1: So, I mean, this is podcast episode 465 for me. That's a lot of podcasts. That's quite a lot of hours. <laughs> uh, however many you've been on, it's in the dozens. Mm-hmm. So, there's, a, there's already a lot of hours on there. And, and, and people
2: uh, who are listening back, um, of these podcasts now whether it be a week after being recorded or years after being recorded have now picked up on those dozens of episodes that the guy likes star trek and not much more
1: pretty much <laughs> yeah, and they've picked up that uh bob bless him who's working late so that's why he's not here he doesn't watch many films but he reads a shit ton of books exactly so it's uh Interesting times. So there's, there might be hundreds and hundreds of hours, and in that there might be dozens of hours worth of interesting content. Mm. Who knows? But, at, least yeah, enough, at least five. At least yeah. five. Yeah, at least a couple of them. So I got very deep for a little while there, didn't it? But it did. As well, it should. Yeah.
2: So that was quite good. But uh, I've got one for you anyway, Stuart. If I'm you uh, want to start another um, task, just uh, just before I came on air with you tonight um i was having a look at some ideas for for podcasting not okay. specifically related to geeky stuff just general podcasts and there was some cracking ideas um and especially for someone like yourself who commutes to work it was uh, somebody come up with the idea of um recording um like a profile with somebody you meet on your commute on the way to work every day right I don't know how feasible that is, you know, you get onto a buzz and say, excuse me, do you fancy uh, recording something for a podcast or a documentary? But um, Because I suppose one thing that the world has brought out in us now is everybody sticks to themselves, you know, everybody looks down, they don't look up at uh, each other and smile anymore. So I suppose that initial introduction could be very awkward and uh, you could be seen... um, as having some ulterior motive but i thought it was nice you know it it, it almost brings it back to proper communication again because although you might be recording something at least you're communicating rather than sitting in front of a screen and tapping on um some letters
1: I think in certain environments, that's okay. I wouldn't necessarily try it on a bus because <laughs> uh, people don't generally talk on buses and people just sort of stare at each other and stuff. But I know my experience at the San Diego Comic-Con, to go back to that, mm-hmm. I, I always had the plan of just walking up to strangers and finding out what their experience in Comic-Con was. But I'm not that sort of person, so it's kind of out my comfort zone. But I did it a few times. thought, right, there was the girl who was dressed as an Ewok Uh, because Bob (laughs) had given me this list and she was dressed as Ewok. I thought, I've got to do it. And I I walked past her and I'm like, that's really cool. I've just seen somebody dressed as Ewok. And I thought, no, I I would love to catch that person on screen. And I turned back and I I really, it was hard work going up to them going, you know, here's this list. And I felt really bad asking it. I'm like, look, there's this list on it. And one of them, and i sort of really justifying what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And yet all I was asking was, you know, just say hi to the camera but I felt very intrusive doing that but she was great and then there was another girl who was uh, dressed up in some sort of weird zombie cosplay thing and if you watch the scene and Experience at Comic Con people have commented she's either drunk or on something <laughs> and it's like, but she was you know attractive looking woman who was, and I thought she was just leaned against the wall and I thought that's a cool costume I'm just going to go up and she was super cool so I think if you do it in, an envir- in that sort of yeah invent environment, then they're fine with it, but I wouldn't necessarily go up to people in the streets, because we're, I don't know people aren't like that anymore, certainly not in this country, maybe in America. No, it's a bit like Ross Kemp,
2: you take your life in your own hands.
1: It is, people generally don't sort of speak to each other if they don't have to it's quite (laughs) odd, but Twitter was quite good, I put um, the the spending time with questions, which (laughs) I've done a whole bunch of those articles I put a tweet out earlier on in the week and it was uh, any filmmakers out there who would like to answer a few pre-prepared questions.
0: Mm, I saw the shout. question go out.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> I have about 15 to 20 sets of answers that have come back. So it was, uh, it, I was very busy on that. And I'm going to be busy for about the next month putting together all these different articles. I, I'm looking forward um, to
2: uh, a certain puppeteer one, to be honest.
1: Yes, well, I'm waiting for Andrews to come back in, (laughs) but he's been sent the questions. But there was a lot of people. It's uh, you know Neil's answering them. He's done them again. (laughs) Uh, Tracy Birdsall's done them, Uh, and a whole bunch. But it's for like two days. People were either going, "Yep, I'll do them." Okay, cut and paste, bang, have them all. And uh, I've got a lot of the answers already back. People have supplied photos. There was uh, one filmmaker, S.J. Evans, called. They sent me some pictures through, including one of them where. He's directing Tony Todd. Oh! So it's like, holy crap!
2: This is this is crazy. And I think this is is kind of, um, for me, what is so crazy and amazing about all of this and kind of where we've ended up today. I was thinking about it um, just the past week, just how many people kind of I've met through Sci Fi Wales um kind of sci-fi news and all the things I've done and on Twitter um and, and it's amazing who I've met you know and kind of who I can call a friend um th- these are fantastic amazing people that you know maybe before your social networks um were were unreachable in a way so yeah, yeah technology has its place and uh, it's it has brought people together as well as taking them apart at the dinner table.
1: I mean if you're a a kind hearted geek, shall we say, mm-hmm. then the social networks are amazing. Yeah. They really are. If you're one of these keyboard warriors who just wants to rip somebody apart for being in a Star Wars movie, then, you know, get lost basically. But if you treat people like human beings and you're very courteous with what you say about the films and you you know, you don't pester people, obviously mm-hmm. I've got a lot of very famous people on my Twitter list, and I don't get up every morning and message them constantly and then go, "Why not reply? Why not <laughs> reply?" That sort of thing. If you treat them perfectly, professional and decent, then they will treat you the same way as well. But mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's kind of mind blowing, no? It's weird. It's like I'd love to go back and tell myself as a kid, you know, some of the things that I've done since, or some of the people I've spoke to, or. You know, I'm I'm sitting in a room now and I'm looking at a Don of the Dead poster that was signed by Tom Savini, George Romero and you think that's nuts. Mm-hmm. As a kid I would never ever think you know, I'm looking at Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci's Signature on my wall as well, as well as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's and Linda Hamilton's right in front of me as well. It's mind blowing. It makes it's funny we
2: we both got similar rooms then uh, that we yeah. sit in as we do these podcasts because I've got kind of Claudia Christians music CD in front of me signed, you know, MG um, Harris's uh, one of her books in front of me, and you know various other things as you look around the room, and yeah, it makes me yeah. smile. Um, it does just the other day I was looking through um, some of the old um, Sci-Fi Wales photographs um, because um, I've been asked to send some over to um, an old friend I hadn't seen in um, oh, almost 20 years. And right. um, just looking through those photos, you know, looking at all happy faces, um, kind of either watching you um, lead a panel or playing um uh, a retro console game with their kid or something like that. You know, all these happy faces just made me really happy. Be a happy geek. That's uh, that's how you should be. Be, be nice to, to cha- people.
1: I was chatting to somebody at work the other day, and it was um I think Annette was having a conversation with somebody or other, and then the guy sits next to me called Ben, and really nice guy. He was one that helped change the tire this morning, so it was quite nice. Yeah. And he was telling me a story uh where he'd i think he used to live in america at some point and he he'd mentioned this guy called joel silver mm-hmm. who i know i don't know a producer but i know of a producer called joel silver who produced things like the matrix and lethal weapon and die Hard, and all really big you know most of the big 80s predator and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and he'd mentioned this joel silver and i thought nah i don't think it'll be the same joel silver but then he'd mentioned something Else that was film related, and I went, "Can we just go back to Joel Silver?" Is that the Joel Silver? That and it was, it was, it was that Joel Silver. And to this day, I've not forgiven him because it's like I can't believe you met Joel Silver. You get, I want to meet Joel Silver. He's like one of the people I would love to interview mm. the most out of everybody, which I've mentioned before. And um, he's he's met Billy Connolly and and all the sorts. Of There's a few people that he's that he's met, and he's not. I don't know how he's met these people. I think he was with somebody who was connected in the film world. Mm-hmm. And that's how they encountered all these people. But we ended up talking about autographs the other night. And he said, I've never really seen the the appeal of autographs. I've never really seen the point of getting them. And I said, well, for me, I said, it's for example, I've got a signed Don of the Dead poster. In fact, that's where the conversation came from. Annette said every time she wakes up in the morning, there's a zombie staring at her. So <laughs> Ben's like, why is there a zombie staring at her? I'm like, well, because I've got this Don of the Dead signed poster and he went, I've oh, never, never really seen the, the peel of autographs. I said, well for me I look at this poster and I see George A. Romero's signature and he's no longer with us and I remember the time that I met him and I pitched Lamb of the Dead to him and he was sitting there with his <laughs> big glass and his waistcoat on and I've got a picture of him with Lammy and all that sort of stuff. I said, for me autographs are memories mm-hmm. as I'm not really into going out and buying an autograph. I said, I have a Marlon Brando autograph well, on the signed Godfather thing and that's one I purchased, and that's kind of stuck in a folder in a drawer. However, if I'd have actually met Marlon Brando, then that thing would be in a frame for, for the whole world to see. Yeah. So, so for me, it's about memories. He said, no, no, <coughs> I can understand that part. So it's, uh, that's why I have all these signed bits and pieces and signed books, signed Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff. It's just, it's, for me, and it's probably yourself as well, being a movie geek certainly in the younger years, was an escape. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, the real world sucks, so I'm just going to go hide in a cinema or, or hide in a Star Trek episode or do something like that and get away from the real world and yep. you know, I'll encounter it afterwards. That's
2: Exactly, nail the, on the head. That's,
1: that's exactly what mine is. Um, and it probably still is to a certain extent, but definitely more so when it was a kid. Mm-hmm. It's like, this world sucks, so I'm going to go hide and watch Cat from Outer Space or The Beastmaster or something. You know, you watch Never Ending Story and you go, I want to be in that attic reading that book, having adventures, eating a sandwich. That's what I want to do. As long as nothing
2: happens to Falco.
1: Yeah, well, Falco or the horse. That horse scene still breaks my heart to this day. (laughs) It's like, And this brings us...
2: This brings us back to uh, Walking Dead and things that happen to animals. Just stop doing it, please, people.
1: (laughs) It does. It's like, you just need to knock it off. It's not right. Beastmaster. It's a great film. I love that film. And at one point, uh, one of the ferrets falls in quicksand and doesn't come out. And it's heartbreaking. Never mind all the people that get their heads lopped off with swords don't really care. But you you, you drop a ferret and bury it in sand, I'm going to be weeping for a month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Game of Thrones heaven forbid something happens to a dragon, I'm like, no! <laughs> People, oh, they've gone. Oh, I like them. Dragon, oh, oof, not happy with that. <laughs> I'm not happy with that scene. I demand it be re-edited. And
2: re-edited. It's all right. As long as uh, direwolves are protected and sent to a nice, happy place, uh, all is good.
1: Do you know what? And this isn't even like a... It's not a spoiler. The, the last episode, my favourite scene of the whole... Episode and it nearly broke my heart watching it was when the direwolf looks at Jon Snow, mm-hmm. and it just gives that sort of look going, "Where are you going?" Yeah, and it was like it was oh, it was awful. It brought a real lump to my throat that scene. Never mind all the other stuff; mm-hmm. the other stuff was kind of cool, but that scene with the direwolf just looking at him it was like, "What?" I, I don't know if I, I think I might have to go make a coffee or something because I, I think my allergies are coming up here. It's <laughs> we're funny people. <laughs>
2: It's been uh, very intense tonight, this this conversation on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I don't even know what I would call this (laughs) one. It's just been about 400 different topics, hasn't it? Yeah. Which I quite like those, because they are conversations.
2: This is me and you on on a telephone call, but with all, uh, you know, everybody able to tune in and listen.
1: Yeah, of course it is. I mean, obviously we're not talking about props and, you know, stuff like that. We are aware that people are listening, but... uh... It's interesting stuff. So I'm uh, I'm going to spend some of my time mentioned going through the scripts for next week, building a camera rig. I need to work out what what the rig needs to look like because as you've seen, it's like a transformer, <laughs> that thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. You can literally put it into whatever shape you want. So I think a lot of it will be tripodded. Um But I also... What else? Uh, I've got to pick the music. I have a whole bunch of music which I'd already picked some and I've I've got the artist who's done it all, so I'm fine, he's on board. But it's just b- because the films have kind of got longer, I've got more scope to use a few extra music cues or music tracks and stuff like that. So it's uh that's the fun part. And the the scary part is I finish work on the morning of the thirty first of May mm-hmm. after being in for a whole bunch of days. And I shoot Mimi on the first of June, Ooh. and the first time I will be visiting the location will be the thirty-first of May. Really, so, and so then it will lit, it will probably be a case of me being up all night. I think, mm-hmm. and and can sleep because we're renting the house, so she can go sleep in it, and I'll be walking around the thing, planning shots to shoot that day. <laughs> That's quite <laughs> scary. So even though I've got the screenplay, it'll Probably get tweaked at the very very last minute because oh no that room's next to this room oh no that does oh the stairs didn't know there was stairs there <laughs> so that's going to be quite uh, weird or when you it.
2: find that one uh, one magical place in the garden that was never written into the scene yeah <sighs> mm.
1: it's I've, so I've got to incorporate all these extra things and I'm probably going to do uh, what I always do is just shoot way too much yeah. So, you know, we did that on the promo shoot. We're just like, right, I just run through trees. Just do this, do that. And I'm I'm still going through some of these photos. There's there's a lot of photos. <laughs> but uh, it's it'll be interesting. And then I've got to try and edit it, which will be the fun bit. People keep asking me when it's coming out as well. They've started doing that. Somebody did it on Twitter uh, earlier on today saying, when's this film coming out? And I'm like, don't know. There you go. You, <laughs> really you need to that.
2: sit down and spend a bit of time on your seven-year calendar.
1: Well, I do. Uh, yeah, I need to do what <laughs> Disney does. I'll release it after as soon as Avatar three comes out. I will release Mimi um, <laughs> because I want to put it into film festivals, mm-hmm. and I don't want to release it widely before it goes into film festivals because film festivals won't touch you. You've got to do it that and then the other way around. So, um, I mean, you'll see it in advance. Obviously, as mm-hmm. well a few people for uh, for a test screening or whatever, but. The, the world itself, who knows I don't know when they're gonna see it at some point
2: <laughs> after it's won many awards,
1: hopefully, and if it's as if it's as good as those photos are, you' mm-hmm. know, blowing smoke up myself there I'm very impressed with those photos. the ones I've seen and the feedback of them has been pretty good yeah as well. the
2: the photos are great. I do want to see the uh, the untouched colored version to the photos actually, I know I you prefer. The black and white, but I would like to see a bit of colour as well, just to see how it was.
1: Yes, I will try and sort some of those out. But every time I look at it, uh, I pick a colour one and go, I like that. And then I go, I wonder what at looks like black. And- oh, I like that's better. And that's just probably my own preference. But people are going to be shocked because the film's going to come out. And it's going to be in colour. <laughs> I think people will probably be expecting it to be in black and white because of the promo shots. As it starts, so you're going to have the little to- technical logo. <laughs> I'm going to have to get a new animated logo designed I think for my little production company so that's one of the many things that I've got to do so when I have this week off when Annette's in Tunisia uh, I'm not going to spend all the time tweeting or, or podcasting or whatever I'm going to sit down there with the biggest pile of paper ever and just work out a schedule for everything work out a schedule for you know what, what podcasts I do when what guests are lined up, uh, when I'm going to do editing, all sorts of stuff, because I'm getting way snowed under with all these <laughs> different things to do. I keep getting filmmakers sending me short films to watch, and it's a short film, it's like 15 minutes probably, and I haven't had the time to sit down and watch them. It makes me sad, because they've taken the time to send me these films, but I've just not got round to viewing them yet.
2: Clones, that was, that's what we need, clones.
1: Clones or staff, yeah. Mm. Possibly. Anybody willing people, to uh, work
2: for free? Maybe a bit of cheese and crackers every now and again?
1: Well, now and again, I do get somebody that will say, I'll happily write reviews and put them on your website for you. But I've always been hesitant at doing that, because it's mm. like everything, and I don't know how you were with, with sci-fi news, but if you're doing reviews, you kind of want it to be one voice.
2: Yeah. Um, with me, it was very much, you know, I did have people who, who would do that, I uh, still do, um, but it. They never uploaded to the website. It was always emailed to me, so I could go through it. I would usually make a few changes, email it back over them, and say, "Are you happy? I've made these changes." They'd usually say yes, and then it'd go live on the website. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I. I, uh, I needed that kind of input just before. You know, I. I couldn't just let somebody kind of. Um, have access to the site and just post whatever they
1: wanted. No. No. So, and I'm the same. Because it's like people, and, and by that I mean sort of the filmmakers and stuff, they know that everything on that website or everything on the Twitter account is me. Mm-hmm. And that they've got a certain trust. Yeah, an expectation. The, the, yeah, the type of review that will come out. So they go right. Well, I'll let you see this. Therefore, I know roughly what I'm going to get. It's fine and blah blah blah. blah. And I've I've always been hesitant of letting anybody else do it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I shouldn't, but I don't know. I, I quite like. I do like my little website. It, it serves me well. I've just not spent as much time on it recently as I'd like to because I've been cutting down on keyboard uh, time. It's like I've not been on Twitter too much today and. Uh, somebody asked me why and I said well that's because over the past four days which were my night shifts I've been typing non-stop for 42 hours over those four days you think mm-hmm. that kind of takes its toll on <laughs> your limbs you could end up oh, with, yeah. like you know sore limbs and that's what I've been battling with the shoulder muscle being pulled or this that and the other so it's I have to, had to uh, I've had to cut down the amount of tweeting I do so I sort of have this rule where on the first day when I finish work, which is today, and on the first day when I'm going back in at 9 o'clock, which will be on Sunday night, I I don't want to touch a keyboard mm-hmm. because I just I need to rest. So one of these four days that I've got off, I will just sit down, put some crap films on in the background or let it out, watch our TV or whatever, and I'll I'll knock out a lot of press articles. But, you know, we've got to look after our, our health. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we don't because we think we've got too much stuff to do. Yes. and I know you're guilty of that one as well. You go, I need to do this stuff. Yeah, but you need to rest. No, I'll rest later on. <laughs> no. so, um, so what have you got planned for? I mean, not the rest of the evening, but have you got anything exciting lined up for the next few days? Or,
2: um, Well, like I say, it's uh, Addie's birthday coming up, so um, hmm? it's... Uh, spy themed birthday party. So nice. um I've been busy making um spy ID cards for all the kids in attendance and um kind of um little codes with code breaking charts that they can kind of use to decode the items and basically they've got seven um seven tasks to do um as spy cadets so um one for example is um kind of target practice there's been uh bank robbers you've got to go and, and find them and once found um they they're all going to be equipped with nerf guns and need to take the uh the spy targets out and you know that kind of thing yeah. um so i've had fun doing that but it does take time because once again um just like yourself and uh mr walt disney i'm a bit of a perfectionist so it has to be perfect you know even though it's for a kid's birthday party um yeah. so yeah um so i've got that coming up this weekend so uh, i think that'll take all my time really
1: i think it probably will will it won't it yeah yeah
2: and then uh, well, come sunday i'll be happy for a rest
1: yeah well my sunday i'm back in work but it's only for one shift so i'm not too bad for that and mm-hmm. then i finish on monday morning at eight o'clock and then um, Monday night, or technically Tuesday morning, Annette goes to the airport and disappears to Tunisia for a week. And then I have got the house to myself. and I'm going to get all that writing and camera building and all that sort of stuff done. And then on the Friday, I'm headed down to Northampton overnight to catch up with a filmmaker friend of mine, Kamal, I have a chat with him. I've not seen him in a couple of years. And I'll be taking with me the sort of half-finished script of one night reservation for him to have a look at and we'll sit down (laughs) and we'll have a chat about filmmaking plans and I'm going to ask him whether he would like to direct it or whether he thinks that I should direct it and to be honest I think I might be at the point where I could direct it I think after the three or four Mm -hmm. short films that I'm going to do hopefully I'll have learned enough to be able to shoot a single film in a hotel room but it might be something that he would want to do anyway so I'm just going to uh, have a have a catch up with him and see how he's doing and stuff. So, just generally good. Spend, a, spend a day in the evening in Northampton and come back on the Saturday, daytime, and come back home for a couple of days and then wait for Annette to come back on Monday or I think she comes back. So, and just have a bit of a rest. North Wales is
2: a lovely place, you know.
1: <laughs> North Wales is a lovely place. I'm hoping to get my work bonus so I can just go do some little trips and stuff. But uh, I'm going to make sure I get some rest as well over these few days. I've been sort of writing on paper. It's hardly mm-hmm. tiring. But definitely I'm going to try and stay away from a lot of technology. Because it can be a bit deadly on your limbs. So, oh. well, I am going to let you go for the evening because I'm just conscious we started a little bit early, but we've near enough finished at the same time <laughs> if we started on time. So, that's how good these conversations are. They don't, they they fly by as far they as do. I'm concerned. So, um, shout out to Bob if he does, in fact, listen. I'm seeing him tomorrow, tomorrow morning. So,
2: yeah, I've got my lemonade yeah. in uh, in honor of you, Bob.
1: Yeah, I have Pepsi Max. So <laughs> And uh, we shall have a catch up at some point. Probably not this weekend because you'll be doing birthday stuff. But we shall yep. probably have a catch up at some point, maybe Friday something like that. If you've got a few minutes. Yep, sounds good. Yeah. All right, Rob. Well, thank you very much for episode 465.
2: <laughs> thank you. I hope every everybody enjoys it.
1: I'm sure they will. Uh, shout out to Carol the stalker as well, who I'm sure is listening. Hi, Carol. Uh, Neil and Tracy as well. so yes. uh, I think Neil's still in Australia. Who knows? I
2: bet he's getting some lovely footage for some upcoming movie.
1: He gets some lovely footage wherever he goes. He
2: does. Everything it's looks amazing. so fantastic. It's just like you—you you stick on one of his movies, and I'm—it I'm, just blows my mind. It's like, wow, have you seen that? That should be on like some travel show. It shows somewhere, you know. It, yep. You know, forget your BBC and everything. Just, just get in contact with Neil.
1: The Neil Johnson streaming service. Yeah, exactly. Let's go for that one. Drones already. Right, I shall let you go for now. Okay. And I'll catch up with you soon. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.